who would last longer on a deserted island? Oh, that's a really tough one. Yeah, I feel like we're like really mm. a team. There are mm. so many strengths and weaknesses that one has that the other doesn't. I would say me just because you hate camping and I like camping and I have not very good survival tactics, but I've observed, I've observed <laughs> enough to be like, huh, nice, nice. this and this will make a fire. Welcome to a Pondering Heart podcast. We're two friends learning and growing together in our Catholic faith. We'll talk about the triumphs and struggles that we face on our journey. And then we'll dive even deeper. My name is Amina Morrow. And I'm Rachel Wong. Let's ponder out loud together. Hello everyone, it's Rachel and I wanted to give a quick little note before we got started with this episode. We had a very fruitful conversation with our guest who you're going to hear from in just a little bit. And because of that, we decided to split the episode into two parts. So this week you'll hear the first half of our conversation and join us again next week to hear the rest of that conversation. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy our conversation with our guests, Mike and Camille Mendoza. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of A Pondering Heart Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host, Emmy. Hi, Emmy. Hi. And today we are so, so excited to be joined by not one, but two of our very good friends, uh, Camille and Mike Mendoza. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> it is such a joy to have you both with us. And, um, you know, we both really admire um, the two mm -hmm. of you as individuals, but also as a couple. And I'm just so excited to dive into our conversation today. But before we jump into anything, perhaps, would you be able to introduce yourselves and just share a little bit of what you do right now? Sure. Yeah, we are Michael and Camille Mendoza. We have been married for a year and a half, mm -hmm. almost two years almost two now. Years. We got married in July of 2019 after having known each other for over 10 years. Yeah. And we just had our first baby girl welcome to her into the world almost nine months ago now in the middle of a pandemic. So she mm -hmm. is asleep and this is our couple time. We're, we're excited to be here. Mm -hmm. So for myself, um, I work for the trade board of BC, help out with people that are looking to get their certifications and I think that's a pretty good way of spending um, my working hours outside of that so so happy to be a husband and a dad just seeing the fruits of, of that and growing through all the things that not only this pandemic environment has given us but just being able to I think really be refined in, in this time together not being able to go out as much um, obviously, being able to work together, even work on the hard things as well. And yeah. I forgot to share what I did for work, but I do some social media management and I also do some coaching with the Women's School. 
Well, thanks, you guys. Yeah, and mm-hmm. just maybe as a way of getting to know you a little more, Emmy and I had, we had a lot of fun <laughs> setting this up, but we had set up something called the Sorta Newlywed Game because we think yes. the Newlywed Game is trademarked, Ooh. so we don't want to get yes. sued. And it's been two years, nearly two years for you guys, right? So Sorta Newlywed. Sorta. Okay, so as listeners, probably if they've ever been to a wedding, typically there is the shoe game that happens. We are conscious of the fact that this is a podcast, so you won't be able to see any shoes go up. I'll share a statement and we'll get you to say either Mike or Camille, whoever it represents most. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay, are we ready? So excited. Here we go. So the first question, who is more of a night owl? Camille? Camille. Knew it. Knew it. I called it. I called it. Okay. Mike is the furthest thing away from it. From the opposite, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to shift with Lilo's sleeping schedule. So you're kind of like a, a morning person and a night out right now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Slowly making the shift to becoming more of a morning person. <laughs> okay. Next one. Who is the better cook? Oh. Hands down, Mike. Alyssa <laughs> called that. Yes, yes. I forgot <laughs> to so mention excited. that Emmy had a running bet of like she she thinks that she's gonna get all of them right. Ooh. But I hope you're keeping okay, track, okay. Emmy. Let us know how that goes. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, you guys don't know what I guess, but Rachel does. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. Anyway, right. I'm so invested. <laughs> Next one is who is most likely to cry at a movie? Camille. Oh, really? oh I got it I wrong. Say me. <laughs> I was going to say Mike, too. Uh, I think it depends what movie, but I think I'm more likely to. True. Mike cried at Coco. Mm. I mean, everyone would cry at Coco. It was so sad. I'd say half-half. Half-half for that one. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. I was half right. (laughs) 50%, Emmy. 50%. I'm part of this game. Who is more of a sweet tooth? Oh, Camille. Camille. Did you get that one, Emmy? No, I didn't. I'm guessing Michael. Because I was like, Camille never order anything sweet, except when she was pregnant the one time. But anyway. <laughs> On every grocery run, mm. I'm subconsciously getting chocolate. Yeah, Mike knows the groceries, yeah. but he knows exactly what to mm. get. Yeah. Nice goals right there. <laughs> there <you go>. mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Who owns more shoes? Oh, that's a hard one. I think it's Mike. It's not hard. It's me. <laughs> yeah. I'm helping her out a little bit. I'm introducing her to, to the game, but uh, yeah, I had no sneakers before I started dating Mike. Oh wow. Okay. We're, get, we'll get, we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last one is who would last longer on a deserted island? Oh that's a really tough one. Yeah, I feel like we're like really hmm. a team. There are mm. so many strengths and weaknesses that one has that the other doesn't. I would say me just because you hate camping and I like camping and mm. I have not very good survival tactics, but I've observed, <laughs> I've observed enough to be like, huh, nice, nice. this and this will make a fire. I see what you mean. Yeah. I feel like I would survive. <laughs> no, okay. This is like, <laughs> I Whoa, would say hold on, hold on. me because I would ask for help. Whereas Wait, no, but trying... Well, I I would like do whatever it takes to like I don't know get out of the island. Whereas you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna stay on this island oh, and like start yeah. living here. Yay. 
What the heck? Oh, that's that's really yeah, that's a good interpretation. That's a good get out of there. <laughs> that's a good point. So it depends how you define oh. that question, I guess. It's mm. to survive while living on the mm. island, or to survive like having gotten off of the island. We will take that back to the executives that have uh, produced the show so that they can better make that question for next time. But thank you for indulging us. And actually, that's perfect. I mean, just to piggyback off of what you just shared and to go into this topic that we're talking about, which, we, you know, we were kind of like loosely defined as like holy dating, holy courtship, ultimately making it into holy marriage. And I love what you said there, Camille, about the fact that both of you have your own strengths, your own weaknesses, and it takes each other. And, and that really is like that beautiful definition of marriage of two becoming one. So for those listening, uh, if you wouldn't mind maybe recounting how you met and how that journey has been for you to ultimately make it to where you are right now. Well, we met when I was in grade nine. We both attended the same high school, and Mike is two grades above me, um, so he was in grade 11. And um, for some reason, I was a part of the junior dance squad, <laughs> and Mike's younger sister, Angela, was one of my best friends as a result of that dance team. Um, and so that was the first instance of me having um, come across Mike at all. He would stop by from time to time because he was very close friends with the dance squad coaches. Um, so after school, he would just be around. And then I had like a little mini crush on him and I, I would tell Angela um, about yeah. all of that. It was so funny. We would video chat and then Mike would be in the background and we'd have code words like, oh my gosh, oh, like <laughs> super LG type stuff. Um, but Basically, after that, I'm pretty sure that crush lasted like a year, more or less. Um, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> no, you probably, yeah, you, you probably had no idea because back in high school, a two-year age gap from grade 9 to grade 11 is a pretty big age gap, was, right? For, for high school, that was pretty much how we had, how much we had known each other. I knew Camille as, yeah, one of my sister's close friends and also the girl who was always crying in the cafeteria. <laughs> and um, I felt so bad because like, I obviously couldn't help all the time, but um, this is like leading into our relationship later on, um, our friendship later on, but it was always revolved around other people from what I what I gathered and, and helping other people and, and being empathetic mm -hmm. and just and, and some of the pressures that she faced at that time with, with academics but it was always centered around positive things um, so I was always rooting for her in a way I knew that everything that she was dealing with would make her a better person but obviously we, we didn't have that close of a relationship for me to you know, see how those things eventually turned out. So mm -hmm. I think that was mm -hmm. high school. Yeah. yeah. And then after high school, we were part of a lot of different friend groups. It's so funny because I can't narrow it down to one. Um, I can just think of different friend groups that we would both be a part of mm -hmm. for some reason. Um, and then we served in 
in YFC. Mm-hmm. We were both a part of YCOM, um, the communications mm-hmm. branch with Emmy at the time. Um, so that's where we met and got to know Emmy, both of us, um, in a very close way, which is which is so awesome. Um, but yeah, we basically were a part of the same circles, and that's mm-hmm. how our friendship grew from there. Yeah. You want anything to add to that? <laughs> I, have, I have a lot to add to this oh, part. So okay. this is this is where it really jumps off. So I think um, just as you guys can and, and anyone listening can can attest, you know, sometimes when it comes to having attraction to someone, it, a lot of it has to do with proximity, just the routine of of things, whether it's high school being in the same university class as someone, a co-worker, whatever the case may be. And I think just being who I am and, and just being a boy, obviously you have attraction to someone, multiple people for that very reason. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, just the different friendships and relationships that I had gone through in the past, something about my friendship with, with Camille was, was already different from the start once we had served in all those youth groups. And I think what it was, was kind of the spark that I saw in her as that high schooler, but being able to this time actually journey with her and and to be that person that was able to follow up with you and everything. So when it came to these close friend circles, being able to to serve with her a bit more, yeah, I, I was able to hear more of her story, be part of her journey in a way. And it, this this part was always so tough because, yeah, just as I was mentioning in regards to like past relationships and friendships, I didn't want to treat it um, as one where I only had feelings for her because I just saw her every, every month, every time we went to like a service meetings and whatnot. So I really intentionally prayed for for my friendship with her first to have God be present in those moments. I remember trying to sort out what that would look like myself and I could never really map it out like how often do I text her but I think by by discerning um, throughout that process I think God really guided me to just be really transparent with my communication with her. And I think just over time and over that process, just seeing how intentional she was with her life and, and the things that she wanted to do with her life, I was like, man, like I really, I would love to be on board with whatever this girl has planned for her life. And I think that led up to us really being able to mention to each other that we had feelings for each other hmm. yeah okay well I'll go through my side exactly of this time. this yeah. time yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. um I on the other hand had glimpses of an idea like in terms of him expressing these feelings throughout our friendship but then they would drop off and be like oh okay I guess not after all and I didn't want to overthink it because in the past, well, <laughs> I talk as though I've had so many experiences with dating before, but I've only ever had one other relationship same. aside from ours. Yeah. And yeah, same with same you. Way. 
But yeah, as a result of past relationship, I had learned not to take control of that relationship and not to be the one pursuing because that kind of like, it, it just takes away like the role of the male, I guess, in, in our situation. And so mm-hmm. between the time from crying Camille in the cafeteria about academics and like other people, poor boundaries, a lot of things, I, I went through a really, really major growth period and another like conversion in my faith during this two, three, four year time period. So by the time that our friendship was growing into what it had become, I can definitely say that I was a different person by that point, or I was an evolved version of me, where I felt some of these feelings or different ways that Mike would take care of me or check in on me. It was really like resemblant of that of of an older brother. And I called him Kuya Mike at the time too. Like he was in the Kuya zone. Um, if, If you don't know what that is, it's like older brother in Tagalog, but Um, He was in that zone for a while. And that's legitimately like how I viewed him, like an older brother who really took care of me. But the funny thing is, is that that is genuinely something that I wanted to see in a future spouse because it was the same care of that that my dad had for me. And I I love the way that my dad was a present dad. Mm -hmm. He never made me question my worth. He was just always there when you needed him. He was there to stand ground, just kind of like that silent but strong and firm voice of our family when when we needed it. And so mm. it really resembled the father's love. Um, and that's, that's kind of, as I was growing up, how I viewed God the Father as well. But I saw a lot of that in Mike. And so like the whole Kuya thing wasn't like, back off, like you're in the Kuya zone. It was more so like I, I appreciated that. it. That was a hard uh, thing to navigate, for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess during that period, I didn't want to overthink it. I didn't want to overthink any of these feelings because I was tired of being the person to take control of how a relationship went. I was tired of not being pursued in a relationship. And so I focused on myself and my relationship with God. And I think during that period, It wasn't just Mike that I would have conversations with. I mean, there were other guys who I would have conversations with as well, um, other guy friends. But through each of these individual friendships, I didn't see them as someone who could be a future husband or I didn't give it more thought than it needed. But instead, I saw it as a way to contribute to them. The Lord doesn't waste anything. So I didn't want to use any of these guys and say like, oh, I'm, I'm really just here to evaluate you and whether or not you are a potential spouse for me, but rather like I'm here to have conversation with you and to see what you take of these seeds that I plant or really just these articles that I shared, things that inspired me. And I wanted to see how they responded to that and what they took from it and what they contributed as well to our friendship and our conversation. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing was none of them really stood out aside from Mike. Like every single time I would share something with him, he would listen, like genuinely listen to everything that I had to share. It's like anything that I shared, like lit a fire within him 
as well. And he would contribute back. And it was just like this beautiful exchange of different things, interests, our faith, our dreams about the future that inspired one another. Um, so that definitely stood out to me. And, and I think that's what made me open to potentially exploring this further. But then, of course, again, I didn't want to take control. So just kind of left the reins to you. <laughs> yeah, at that time, I was in the best shape, I, I guess I could say, for, for service in terms of how I served my parish, how I served the community that we were a part of. So it was really great to have that and also mm. be, you know, potentially discerning what this friendship could end up being. And what Camille shared about um, sharing things like articles and, and whatnot with me, we still do that to this day. And it's something that I appreciate so much because Camille was really the outlet for me to really have those types of conversations and for me to, to dream more, for me to know that I could do more than I had foreseen for myself. So yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that and thank you always for, for that. Mm. In terms of how we got to establishing our, our relationship, Right before we had that conversation of not even what are we, but what are our plans together, I spent a week and a bit away on a trip to Hawaii. And for that trip, we told each other before I left, like, okay, we're not gonna talk to each other. Just just enjoy your time with your, with your family. I think um, neither of us really explained it at the forefront that like this is for us to be clear of our feelings so you take your time she'll take her time but I think that's what your intention was for me I was like oh okay I'm gonna... and my intention was to set a boundary there, because yeah, I yeah. wanted you Sorry, to you to vocalize yeah what it yeah. was because I, I felt like it was leading there yeah but you weren't necessarily clear about mm -hmm. it in terms of your intention yeah, yeah. so I'm like okay like let's was not talk. <laughs> so, so for me, I was like, okay, sure. But throughout that whole week, even though I was with my family and one of our good family friends, I couldn't stop thinking of like inside jokes that we had. So I literally take pictures of things. Like I remember there was this like egg restaurant <laughs> on, in like Honolulu, and I was took a picture of it and I I would send it to her, like don't reply. But here you go, like I just thought of you in this way. A lot of things throughout the week made me think about it. And I, I think that by that time, we had, I had already established that, okay, like how am I going to do this? So come back home. We kind of have this moment where we both agreed to go on a hike. And I was like, okay, this is the time. So basically, we both live five minutes away at that time. Our parents live five minutes away from each other in Fleetwood. Um, so the hike was like... Take aware of whereabouts. The hike was like <laughs> an hour away, and the hike would have been an hour long, so it's two hours. And I was like, okay, I'm going to tell her how I feel. I'm going to mention like what I view my plans are for us, and then hopefully we'll, we'll be great. But I, I didn't realize until I started driving, like, oh, man, this is a huge risk. Like, this is, this is potentially a two-hour ride home in silence. <laughs> so we, we, we take a hike. I'm, like, super nervous. And when we get to the viewpoint, 
we both had sat and reflected to ourselves without anything being mentioned for like a good 20 minutes to half an hour. And when I mentioned what I had mentioned to to start a relationship, Mm -hmm. I had just really let her know exactly what I mentioned before, how our friendship was one filled with intentionality, one where, you know, I could really see our dreams aligning um, in terms of who we can become, how we can raise our family, how we can like build our household, and just all the discernment that I had gone through for that. And I think... Oh. Sorry, mind you, we hadn't talked about these dreams about our future with each other in with mind. Other, yeah, yeah, we yeah. just shared what it would look like individually at some point throughout our friendship. Yes, but they did yeah. kind of... They did align. They did align. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, just being able to be a man and, and step up in that way. And I, I think the most prominent thing about my discernment for you was just that it, it was very much intentional. Um, just because I, I think sometimes, and this is how we were taught too, is just sometimes the discernment can be really over-spiritualized. And I think just by being able to discern for you and also have those great conversations with you that were, were open-ended, it really led me to asking you if, if you would like to, to journey with me. Mm. And that was my perspective on asking her. Yeah. Yeah. So I was open to that. I definitely felt at peace, though we did take it to prayer before, well, you, you had talked to my parents after mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the timeline was like, mm-hmm. but you spoke to my parents and shared with them what your intentions were. And then after that point, because I was at peace, I, I obviously said yes. Um, but at the same time, we didn't really have a formal courtship, I would say. I guess how I define courtship is more so if you didn't really have a friendship with this person in the past, then maybe mm-hmm. you're you're in this season of dating, like going on dates, like dates with good boundaries. It doesn't matter not that it doesn't matter who the person is, but like you could go on multiple and just really see if there's like a fit before deciding to explore further and maybe go on a second date. We never had that season because we were friends for close to 10 years or over 10 years before we decided to take it to this point. So after that period of prayer and then talking things through with my parents, that was the start of of our relationship really. Mm Yeah. So many good nuggets there. Wow. <laughs> I, I just want to say that that could have been an entire TED talk. Um, <laughs> maybe just as we as we kind of like unpack and, and as we explore a little further, one of the things that I want to start with is, you know, Mike, you mentioned mm-hmm. how you were intentionally praying and discerning for the friendship Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. first and I know you both were kind of jokingly talking about you know queer zone (laughs) and of course in our day and age we talk about friend zone Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so I find that juxtaposition very interesting where you weren't necessarily praying like lord just let her like me back instantly you know just like let her like me back like no you were you know, maybe in many ways, and I could imagine that that's probably mm. very hard. 
but you entered into that praying for a holy friendship first. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be so remarkable because we don't really hear enough of that. And maybe just for the purposes of people are trying to escape the friend zone or they just want to kind of get into that relationship. They want to get in love really quick. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could maybe unpack that a little more, like that desire for holy friendship. Most definitely. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Honestly, it had a lot to do with the fact that I was working hard on my service. I was working hard at school and I didn't make those priority per se, but I was just so involved in many different things in my life that when I saw this person that was running kind of at the same pace, it kind of just aligned in that way. And I think that had a lot to do with it. In terms of praying for our friendship, um, yeah, it was along with like running alongside this person. It was just always um, just kind of clarifying my intentions with him. So always having that be the centerpiece of, of my prayer. Just as human beings, we're, we're so inclined to subconsciously praying for for God to meet our desires and um, just to know that I would sometimes even pray like Lord if if she's not the one for me just like take me away like (laughs) at one point I remember that not closer to our relationship but like near the beginning just because Camille was such a great friend and obviously it's even one of those situations where it's like oh my gosh like do I Do I um, tell my best friend Mm. that I like them? You know, that was even part of it too, because I could could say that we were like best friends as we were kind of navigating that as well. But yeah, just just having different things that you're working on in your life that you can talk about, that you're you're pursuing, that, you know, you can share with other Mm. people about is something that always kept me going forward. Mm. And of course, just being able to pursue my relationship with Christ as well is I think probably the most important because anything that I took to him I could come out of knowing like if that was a genuine prayer or not otherwise I would like Lord like keep my intentions clear but maybe I can see her tomorrow or something like that yeah Something that I wanted to ask you, Camille, because something that um, really struck me while you guys were sharing your story was how you kept referring back to how um, from what you learned from your past relationship, you didn't want to lead this possible relationship like you didn't want to pursue. Like what led you to that point? Like what led you to that mindset of having those boundaries and to have that mindset that's like, I'm not going to lead this relationship. I'm going to give the guy the space to do so. I think I was I was definitely in a season of getting to know God more, aspiring to get to know him more by reading about him, educating myself, taking time in prayer and in scripture with him and um, learning more about theology of the body. (laughs) And I was learning a lot about the roles and the complementary roles of masculine and feminine. And so in my prior relationship, I found myself at a point where I felt like I was giving and giving and giving and giving. And I was just in total depletion. I did not know 
how much more I could give mm. without feeling like I was receiving as well. I think God used that to teach me a lot about myself and about what it really means to love someone and what it means to trust in God's plan. That relationship, I learned so much from it and we're still very good friends to this day because we had good boundaries at the tail end of that. As a result, everything that I had learned, I wanted to unpack further. So I took all of that to God. I remember going through just this tough season of not knowing who I was. I was at the peak of my anxiety, not doing so well in school, having come out of a relationship. And then during that time, just that was when I felt the Lord pursuing me the strongest. Um, And I remember just writing to him. I would write to him in my journal every single time. Um, So I would write to him about my future husband and Mm -hmm. what this person might be like. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was so interesting because I remember a year before we went on that hike, I wrote to God about Mike. Mm -hmm. And I wrote to God about Mike not to say, God, um, this is the person, (laughs) like, (laughs) bring him into my life. But I told him, like, Lord, there is someone in my life who is such an amazing friend to me like I wrote I see him like an older brother who just takes care of me is like present genuinely listens and just takes care of everything to this day even in our family he he still takes care of everything including the cooking um (laughs) but yeah I remember telling God like this doesn't have to be the person but I would hope like it is in the desires of my heart that he has similar qualities Mm -hmm. as Mike, that he would be as attentive to me and grow with me and and have like this beautiful exchange of of dreaming and ideas and just fit in that way. And I think that was the last time I wrote in that journal, to be honest, until until that hike. Yeah, I don't even know if I answered your question. I mean, how I understood to let Mike be the person pursuing is really just because I had taken the role of that in the past and I didn't want to be in that place anymore. Mm -hmm. So after, after learning about what my role is and how I'm supposed to receive and become this vessel that takes anything that is given to me and then turn, um, I guess like puts it back into the world better than it was before as as a woman, like the feminine genius, right? That is how I wanted to take this future relationship or or any future relationship mm-hmm. that that were to come, which is why with with any relationship, friendship, sorry, that I had with any guy in my life, I didn't entertain any of those feelings. It was definitely a lot more. How can I contribute? And what are you gonna like, how are you going to receive what I contribute to our friendship? I love that you just, uh, you ding, feminine genius. <laughs> of course. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this kind of like, it draws out two things there, because you, mm. you reference the complementarity of the sexes. So first and foremost, the fact that men have that 
that leading quality to them that shouldn't be taken from them. And they really should have that ability to feel able to be able to maybe not necessarily like dominate, but take control and really care for Mm -hmm. and provide and all of those traits that we associate with masculine. But then at the same time, recognizing Mm -hmm. that that doesn't mean that the feminine is passive. You know, like the fact that you're just Mm -hmm. taking everything in. And Camila, you mentioned the fact that you receive things and that's such a beautiful part of the feminine genius. It's that receptivity and then being able to bring that back out into the world and share that in a new and beautiful way. Many times I feel like when we talk Mm -hmm. about like, you know, relationships and the fact that, oh, like, you know, I'm a woman that doesn't need a man, but I am dating a guy and like, I can just do whatever I want without the guy and whatnot. They stop at the reception of like love or affection Mm -hmm. and then they don't know where to go with that. And I guess like this isn't really so much a question as just like I wanted to mirror back that it's so important, I think, to make that distinction that both, you know, masculine mm. and feminine are so important. And you reference theology of the body. I think this is, it, it goes mm. back to the heart mm. of the catechism, but also at the very beginning, this is what God intended. I have to say that it's so important and it comes to play so much more so in our marriage today mm-hmm. than it did in our dating relationship. I mean, at that time, it, it kind of created a like a skeleton, like a structure. But in our marriage today, on the day-to-day, like we're home together all day, Mm -hmm. literally (laughs) 24-7. And so you're right. In practicing or seeing that feminine genius come to play in our relationship, it's not passive at all. A lot of times it's a strength for me to be able to practice providing and creating opportunities for Mike to step into that leadership role and for us to to complement each other in a way because we've learned through the harder times um, in our marriage that whenever I try to take control of everything or go the complete opposite way which is completely numb myself to feeling anything whatsoever and being apathetic to to everything I guess neither direction goes well (laughs) and so very recently I have been wanting to get to know Mama Mary more and seeing like what would she do in these situations would she um well I know for sure she would not go either way she would she would want to feel all of it but just just love in the way that she does. And I definitely try to, to think of that and emulate that in those situations when there are tough times, because there are tough times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, something I'm curious about, Mike, on your end, I guess going back to the whole idea of Camille letting you lead, what was that like for you? Like, did that help you um, be the man that you are today? Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, as you both know and as a lot of people know this one here my wife is very is very on the creative side and very much on the vocal side as well in the best way possible right so we're both pretty relaxed but I think I'm even more relaxed when it comes to certain things mm. and what your your question is Emmy I think I'm whenever it comes to those moments I'm always reminded of vocation 
And is, is that a complete flip of the switch when that happens in, in your marriage? And I, I would hope that whoever gets married is aware of that from the beginning, as, as we were for sure. But when you're actually married and when you go through those things and those struggles and those fights that you as a couple at the beginning of your marriage are like, oh, we're, we're good, we're, we're, we're never going to deal with those things. When you go through those things and you remind each other that this is a vocation that we fight for, that we grow in, that we are leading each other to, to heaven, that's what I feel when I'm able to hit the, the home run of the ball that Camille's pitched to me, if, if that gives a better visual. Just, I'm just so thankful for that because I could imagine a marriage um, where, you know, every day is, is kind of the same. You have little changes here and there. You change homes, change vehicles, you add a, add a child or two. And you as people, you as a husband and wife, just gradually grow along with those changes, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think being able to understand that your marriage is a vocation, you always have at the forefront that you are teammates and you are working together to do whatever it takes to lead each other to Christ. And in those moments and in those struggles and in those fights, that's what I feel the most outside of the initial pain, in spite of the initial numbness that I feel, I feel someone that is leading me to heaven. And that is the best way for us to lead each other, because not only does it address like what you're what you're asking, Emmy, but also in, in what you've mentioned, Rachel, in terms of the masculine and feminine, from my limited understanding, it, it just feels that when we're able to do that for each other, it takes away the masculine, it takes away the feminine in a way that allows us to just contribute to each other as as a husband and wife. And obviously those are both feminine and masculine things, but it just feels like we just do whatever is is needed to complement each other in that way. And it's it's a very it's a very giving feeling. It's a very peaceful feeling that you can take away from an opportunity to grow. Thanks for listening to this episode of a Pondering Heart podcast. As mentioned, this is the first half of our episode with Mike and Camille Mendoza. So please stay tuned for the second half of our conversation in our next episode. You can listen to a Pondering Heart podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to follow us on social media. We are at a Pondering Heart podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Join us next time as we continue on our journey to sainthood.